0: Hey everybody, welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. I'm John Burke and with me as always from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman is Matt Hudson from what I watch What is up, Matt? Hey evening, JB. Uh, nothing is up, my friend.
1: I'm in good spirits today. It's another week of talking film, a lot of films, but uh, I'm doing okay. I've got my usual uh, cup of tea because I'm a stereotype. Uh, but how are you
0: doing? Are you keeping Florida safe? You got a coffee? I, I don't have a coffee. I have a water today. I actually drank my coffee uh, for this. Okay, well, I've had, I've had double coffee today. My daughter and I went to lunch um, at this very nice, uh, we have this kind of interesting place that opened up in our small town um, that is a restaurant slash coffee shop slash micro brew. Um, they don't nice. technically brew their own beer, but they have like a lot of like micro brews on tap. Mm-hmm. So it's like this weird mix of a tap house, coffee house thing. And, uh we went to lunch and I got a their cold brew and uh, this it's the second time I've been to this restaurant. They have this amazing southwest chicken salad that oh, I yum. absolutely love. Um and then my daughter got a cuban which their cuban is real good. Uh it's it's unique to them cuz they use like a pulled barbecue pork instead oh of the traditional God, yes. mojo sliced pork, but uh very good. Um So we went there, I had the coffee there. And then I've been buying um, the refrigerated cold brew like at the grocery store mm-hmm. because it's like five bucks. You get like three or four of them, uh, a large quote unquote from like a coffee shop where it's five bucks for one if you go to a coffee shop. So uh, I had that as well. So I've had double the cold brew and I still don't feel fully awake. Um, I let myself for the <laughs> first time and I can't tell you, I let myself sleep in this morning. Uh, like I usually, I got my alarm went off at six forty. 40. I was like going to say what goes. time until? Well, so I, I was like, I'm, I hmm. snoozed once and then I got up and I was like, you know what? I haven't, I, I, today's my quote unquote rest day, um, from working out. And I, I haven't slept in. I'm going to just turn my alarm off and sleep until I wake up. And I slept till nine, which Good is man. the latest I've slept in in a long time um but it's i think it's messed me up i I feel very disoriented um i still feel tired so like i don't know uh i don't know that it was all it was cracked up to be um but i have mostly rested today i am gonna probably go to the gym and walk the treadmill a little later um it's been a rainy couple of days here in florida so it's it's been uh outside not really an option but uh but yeah how, how about you bud how you doing yeah, well,
1: actually, so you mentioned the rain. It's England. Come on, we talk about the weather. It's been like torrential for the last few days, which uh, is lovely because last time I spoke, on we, I, we were on the show, I was sweating in this room here recording. So it's lovely out there at the minute. I haven't had any, not all. I had a frappuccino the other day, um, but I'm not quite as uh, healthy as John is yet. Um, but the funny thing is JB's talk mentioned in all these nice places to eat and grab a brew or a mini brew doesn't realize that when i come to when i invade florida when it's safe to do so if, if ever i will expect to go to every single one of these i'm going to i'm going to go back and listen to every BAMP and every astrology we've ever done oh Remember man. that place you mentioned on the uh february 2019 BAMP, yeah. we've got to go there tomorrow it's going to be that mate because it always sounds so good i don't know if it's just because i like food or the americans the terms of portions they certainly do do it bigger and that's a bit of me that is so i do expect to see these places
0: yeah, I'm definitely down. I really like this new local place. Um, again, I've, I've been twice in less than a month. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty good turnaround. Um, and both times I was, I was really happy with the quality of the food and the service. It's, uh, it's a small place and it gets a little crowded, not, not super crowded, but busy enough that you can tell they're doing business and people are, mm-hmm. are learning about its existence and, uh um, nice. I've en- I've enjoyed both of my uh, my visits, so yeah, I definitely would gladly take you there, sir.
1: And we're going to the go, and we're going to go to the cinema slash theater as well. To, yes, uh, to, I think for the, sure. you
0: know the week I come
1: will be some; it'll be the worst films ever playing. But hey, it could still be fun.
0: Indeed, you'll probably be like, "Your theater is awful," and be like, "Yes, but it's my theater." <laughs> so <laughs> no, look, a
1: theater, the theater, theater is a little slice of heaven. So I've been to some dives over here as well. But as soon as, the, as soon as the lights go down i don't take notice of the surroundings big screen Indeed. decent sound hopefully a good film popcorn you know i'm away for the fairies for the next 90 minutes
0: well that is uh exactly what it is and that is what this podcast is folks we love movies and so we've been podcasting on bam for quite some time now and this is episode two of our tribeca 2021 coverage uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of micro spoiler-free reviews from movies that we've seen from the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are watching virtually, um, which I think by the time you're hearing this will no longer be an option for you, unfortunately. It won't be nice.
1: Um,
0: but hopefully you did see some of the movies that we've talked about, or you've at least added them to your watch list on maybe Letterbox or IMDb, or you wrote them down. Um, Matt, you know you and I are spreadsheet junkies; like we keep <laughs> yeah. a lot of spreadsheets. Yep um and then we use letterbox i I use it a little more than you i think um i keep forgetting i have
1: it which is really bad i've got like um baby brain at the minute even though i haven't got a baby i feel like i have (laughs) because i just can't remember anything but as soon as you mentioned it because we're not doing video tonight but as soon as jb mentioned Letterboxd, my eyes were almost rolled as if to think i need to log the films i've just watched on Letterboxd.
0: well so i i follow a bunch of other film people on, on Instagram and Twitter, like uh, other critics and people looks- who are actors and stuff. And there is a dude who's keeping track of their watches on a, on like a, sh- a notebook, like in an actual piece of paper wow. with, and he's like, he posted pictures <laughs> or she, I don't know if it's a he or she, to be fair. I, I, I always assume he, because I am a he and that's where mm-hmm. my brain instinctively goes. But, um, like everything that they're charting it could just be done on letterbox and I'm just like <laughs> why are you doing this like you clearly have technology you're on Instagram like don't don't <sighs> it seems unnecessary to uh, do it on paper um,
1: retro trial I'm trying to think of something um as the internet goes down you could write it back but then if you, but then if the house burns down god forbid you lose all your work I'm with you there John letterbox we're not sponsored or affiliated by them but they can do if they want to is like the ultimate Go to place for logging, reviewing, or just yeah. I say talking, but conversing with others about film in their comments. It's it's what? really the if you haven't been to it, letterbox.com, letterbox with dot com. Honestly, I sign mean, yourself up.
0: Not to mention that it does all the like the hard stuff that he's he's or he or she is keeping like in I columns. Know it's like but it's it does it for you like it already has all the information so all you have to do is say this movie and it's like okay well here's the genre here's the actors here's the director and, and what then date did you watch it there we go would you yeah. like to rate it yes so you don't have to my only problem with letterboxd
1: is there is just an abundance now of like three word reviews that get sixteen thousand likes and it grinds my keys no end but it's and, a social I, platform you're gonna get it
0: i don't like when people post reviews for movies that are not out yet as that like you know, like they're usually snarky kind of talking trash about the movies. I'm just like, yes. you know, don't do that. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, review bombing almost. But I, I enjoy uh, this because I am a uh, Letterboxd Pro user. So I get the stats and stuff. Oh, I will be soon. I love the stats feature so much. Um, mm. yeah,
1: the end of the year is like, great, isn't it? When they give you have uh, minutes yeah. and the actors and it, it comes in this wonderful present. Sorry, presentation is lovely.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just scrolling through my stats right now. And just um, like this month has been a busy movie watching month because of Tribeca. I've watched last week is yep. the most watched week of my year. So far I watched 15 films uh, the week of the 11th through 17th. Um, and so, yeah, like that's all because of the festival. And then um, just, I already knew my director. I don't know if anyone's going to top Martin Scorsese because I went through all the Scorsese's films <laughs> I hadn't seen earlier this year. So I've seen 10 of his movies this year. I don't know if anyone else is going to get to that level, but, um, and then, you know, I've got quite a diverse set of uh, filmmakers that I've watched movies from this year. Um, And uh, the stars though, right now it's funny because, you know, I, I binged all the Star Trek movies. So, the my most watched movies by actor are all <laughs> star wars actors it's literally william shatner leonard Nimoy, Shut- Dorsakai, <laughs> james Dewan, deforest kelly uh nichelle nichols and w- walter cohen the the big six from the star trek uh seven Man. Me. um because i've watched all this, the star trek films so it's just like yeah all of these people uh but, yeah, I love that stuff, and um, it's been really helpful with Tribeca coverage. Um, plus, each movie I've, I've logged for Tribeca, I've added a very short review. I've just said Tribeca at home, and I've tagged it as Tribeca, so it'll be easy for me to like later look what movies have I seen from Tribeca. Yep. Um, and uh, I will be updating the reviews with my reviews uh, for those that I actually wrote something for. Um, but those that I didn't, <laughs> I'll just keep it simple. Tribeca at home. That's how I saw it. That way, people are like, oh, I can't find this. How did you see it? I saw it at a film festival, which is yep. a great place to catch a lot of these independent films. Which I, is always, what we're going to do.
1: I always tag it with Tribeca or, or have it in the have it in big capitals or italics at the beginning of, you, like, Rebecca Twenty One. Um, mm-hmm. I remember saying last week, in, sorry, in our review show, which was two weeks ago, I wonder. I'm excited for this because I wonder how many of these films could potentially You know, bother the top ten of our uh, movie watching this year. How many may not be received quite so well. That's the most exciting thing I think about festivals. Is uh, Fantasia last year? A few of those films snuck into my top ten. In fact, one of them was number one. Um, So I was excited for the offerings from Tribeca. Just to think at the end of the year, how many am I going to look back? positively on and i'm also excited mm-hmm. as i am each week because we've been bamping for years now i'm very excited to see what john thought about some of these films of which i don't know his uh, thoughts on yet some of them
0: yeah and that's the same so what we're about to do uh, and just a heads up listener we will be back to our normal format next week we'll be reviewing <laughs> a movie we'll announce at the end of this episode but you've probably heard of um today's <laughs> episode we're going to be kind of back and forth Uh, Most of these movies, only one of us have seen. Um, There's a couple that both of us watched. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it'll be me talking about a movie I saw. Matt will talk about a movie he saw. We'll go back and forth. Um, Again, at this point, you're going to want to add these films to a watch list and keep an eye out. They'll be getting some distribution. You you might be able to see them at a different film festival later this year. Um, Some of them will immediately be on a streaming service or something like that. So you'll just want to, if one catches your attention, it sounds like something you'll want to watch we ask that you add it and uh, support these indie films. Um, some of these are huge. And uh, if you have seen any of these, of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll get to that yep. at the end of the episode as well. Um, you ready for me to start us off? JB, take us away. So this film Matt and I both saw, um, it's called The Novice. Um, and I th- it might be my favorite film of the festival. I'm not... 100% on that just yet i hope to have a, a more cemented answer by the end of this discussion but um the novice uh stars um isabel Furman, uh mm-hmm. who was in the orphan which is a film i've never seen but i've heard some good things about oh he didn't mind that film um alex doll is the character's name and uh it's a uh, directorial debut if i remember correctly from lauren hathaway mm-hmm. um and clearly Hathaway has some major directorial influences in this movie. I think you see a lot of, uh, a lot of Aronofsky, a lot of Fincher and a lot of Chazelle in this movie. Um, Even to me, there's, there are several scenes where there's a text on screen where it's like informing us of a time change or uh, what's going on. And I think the font selection has a Fincher vibe to it. I think Mm -hmm. some of the look, the color grading has a um, girl with a dragon tattoo, uh, even gone girl, like aesthetic to it. Good Um, And uh, for Chazelle and Aronofsky, I think both have done movies about the pursuit of perfection. I think Aronofsky, you have The Wrestler and Black Swan, and um, obviously Chazelle, Whiplash specifically, but I think you see it in First Man and in La La Land to a a lighter degree. I think think La La Land's pursuit of of your goal is the theme for sure, but it's not Mm -hmm. as it's not as painstaking yeah. right like it definitely shares something closer to whiplash i think in terms of yeah. the movie's tone it's it's much harsher kind of look at what sacrifice does and mm-hmm. um and then it, it there's some where i feel the black swan comparison comes in is is in some of the visuals some of this movie is hard to look at uh in a very powerful and impactful way. So no way am I taking away from it when I say that I'm just saying, I had to look away at a couple of scenes that just hit buttons that I was not comfortable having hit. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a really amazing performance. I think um, every actor in the film does a really good job but Furman specifically. This is heavily centered on her and she, she carries this movie without any hesitation. Um, It's intense. There's some really gorgeous cinematography. Uh, There's some like, I I've, the other comparison I think I have to make with this is this movie is about uh, college rowing. If you're not familiar with that as a sport, um, the only other movie I think I've ever seen that is centered around a rowing team is the social network, which is Fincher. So I do think there are some of the aesthetics there that are just inherent that you're just going to have like the look of the water and the the, the college atmosphere is also going to be from that just because of the nature of this. But um, I learned some things. I, I like using the rowing machine at my gym. So I definitely was not using the correct form uh, as far as legs, body arms. Um, I'm a little concerned because today I had a TikTok thing pop up about rowing. And I'm like, Oh, it's infiltrated my whole <laughs> world now. Uh, um, but I, 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 found so much of this movie to be compelling. Um, I it's the characters are interesting that the, again, that analysis, Uh, I don't know that it completely sticks to landing. I feel like the interpretation at the end is a little ambiguous as to what we're supposed to take away from the movie, but um, not necessarily bad. I just, I, I, I would have liked a little, a little more clarity. I'm all, I'm all good for an open-ended ending, but I feel like there's a message here and that the message is muddled and that could be problematic because if you interpret this wrong it could you could read it very very differently than i think the movie maybe wants you to read it or i'm wrong and it wants you to read it in this kind of dark way and uh not sure how i feel about that so i'm i'm a little mixed on the ending at the moment Mm -hmm. um but again a movie that has an impression that like you can't stop thinking about it afterwards is usually a sign of something pretty well made and pretty powerful so overall i really like the novice uh i want to shout out to big tuna for a lot of the movies i'm going to talk about today um he knows my taste at this point and he watches way i don't know how he pushes himself to watch <laughs> we so say many movies, every week
1: I don't, know how, I don't know how he has room to eat or sleep and even yeah think he, he does
0: just, he just watches so much um stuff that what i'm just, I, I would i didn't even have the drive to try to watch that many <laughs> movies much less that i would but um, <laughs> and then write about them yeah and then What's write the about mvp them. Um, i i really enjoyed this though and uh i'm glad i watched it what did you think of the novice uh, yeah, I'd um, I'd seen the buzz around this as well, and was looking forward to
1: it because I like a sports story. I like a well, I thought it was going to be an underdog story, uh, which it kind of was, but it's more a delve into the mental state or character study of a of one's mental state in the strive for perfection, um, or it also could be looking at the the entire like ed- scholarship system or education as well as like, you know, this is what you have to do to be the best. You have to put yourself to this limit, but then there were some who weren't really trying and were also getting, doing quite well as well. So, um, I thought it looked great. Like you said, I think the cinematography is good. I thought there's some really nice stylistic choices here, uh, especially when they were depicting, um, the main characters, uh, that like mental state, whether it is in like uh, quick cutting flash montages, or the way the camera would would move, that the camera would would be you know, upside down, and it would it would bring itself back up again. It pan back round, it would follow the characters. There's some really really nice shots. The use of shadows were nice as well. I'm I'm a big sucker for shadows and and um, how that can amplify what's on screen, especially during those pretty hectic um, training routines. But I think it was a very for and i know this sound i always think it sounds condescending to say this but for a first time filmmaker i think this is a very accomplished first film i think isabel Furman, i believe won the the tribeca's equivalent of best actress and i think this film won you know the best north american narrative feature as well so it comes highly praised by a very decent selection of judges as well and yeah it's the aronofsky vibes i got immediately i think i think you can't Watch this film and not get that a lot of Black Swan vibes immediately, especially when we start to dive more into the psyche here of the characters. It's very Black Swan esque. Uh, it wasn't quite as um, I think it was quite as heavy, as weighty, or as nightmare fuelish as Black Swan was, but it, for the level of restraint it showed, I think it did really well. So, yeah, the novice, if you can catch this, I am hoping it gets picked up by a studio or some or a streaming studio. Uh if you can, do check this out. Again, most of these films, uh, quite nicely, are about ninety minutes long, give or take. So it's not a yep. long watch. The pacing is, is well done. It looks good, it's well acted, it sounds good as well, uh, and it gets you thinking, like John said, and to me that's a win in my book.
0: Yeah, I agree with most of what you just said for sure. And um I think too I, I had said this to you uh off mic, but I, I really like the parallel of the character um you know kind of seeing what others have done who've come before her and using that as like yep. her driving force because i do think you see that within the filmmaker um first time filmmaker you see a lot of other influences in her film uh and she didn't like grab like the basic ones she grabbed like expert you know auteurs and is is Ooh, using yes. their uh their craft to build her own voice and i think that's important
1: yep and there are there are worse people to uh to take inspiration from as well in terms of filmmaking so the novice kicks us off in a positive way which is the best way to be um, i'm going to take over now and give my quick thoughts on the film glob lessons i put in my review it's probably the most unique title in, in the sense that i have no idea what it meant i had to literally google what it meant and i did f- eventually find out what it meant glob lessons it's uh director another directorial debut a female filmmaker nicole rodenberg she's been uh treading the boards beforehand and, and she's written for a lot of other things but uh, Nicole Rodenberg directs it, she uh, she wrote this film, uh, she edited it and she stars in it alongside and she produced it and she stars in it alongside Colin yeah. Frober, this is very much a a double act of a movie uh, Colin Frober is, plays a dude called Alan, Nicole Rodenberg plays a woman called Jessie, Jessie is like a loose cannon she's not in a destructive way but she's an un- unpredictable, quite boisterous, Alan is He's insecure and he uh, describes himself as mostly closeted. He hasn't quite come out yet or he only does to the people who really need to know. So there's that element that plays a massive part in it as well. But they have been put together uh, to go out on the road to tour the Midwest and uh, put on children's plays. You know, a little uh, to do like Robin Hood or Shakespeare for kids in places like libraries or schools uh, to absolutely no acclaim from the children. It's a it's a comedy drama art film L G B T Q I A. It's listed as. So um I, I the first, when I watched it the first 20 minutes I was slightly worried. I thought this I'm not sure if this is going to be too indie, too quirky for me. I wasn't quite sure why these people have been paired together because it does just kinda cold open and you're in. Uh but after about twenty minutes, I think the film settles in with itself. It gets, you know, it gets its own tonal balance right. We find out why these two have been paired together and we also find out what's driving them. They're both driven by personal anguish. Also, because I mentioned Alan, Alan can't be true to himself or other people about who he really is. Jesse has scars from the past as well. And it it becomes a really nice, touching, heartwarming story. There are ups and downs for both of them. There's moments where you'll uh, start putting put it in my review, will start to well up. There's moments where you'll laugh, and for the most part, the gags hit. They're the kind of gags I like where it's it can either be just a look or like a one-off, like a little quip, sorry, off the cuff, uh, rather than a set-up gag. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's indie in every every sense of the word. It's well-made. It's well-made. It looks good. It sounds good as well. It's well-shot as well. They captured the Midwest beautifully. Um, but It's got that nice kind of indie, quirky feel to it, uh, which... Worried me to start with by the end. Really, really, really enjoyed this film. I really like the pairing of Rodenberg and Frober. Apparently, they've been friends for the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. They're good friends, really, off screen. And that shows on screen as well. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, at times naked, raw, funny, uh, energetic, um, emotional, heartwarming, hopeful. How many more words can I throw in? That's what I got from this film. And uh, for a film which I kind of put on, because like, right, well, what shall I watch now? uh it's before lunch i'll put this on it's again 90 minutes long i can watch this before i have lunch i'll put i'll put this one on really really enjoyed it so uh, global lessons oh, awesome. if that ever gets picked up again we never know so i don't want to say it will do if it gets picked up uh, check it out i really enjoyed it
0: i did not watch that one but it's definitely uh both reading your review and hearing you talk about it i kind of regret not checking it out it definitely sounds like it could be in my wheelhouse mm. um but uh, I, I might have a little bit of time left before it's gone for us, but it, I, uh, if not, I'm going to definitely look, keep an eye out for a future viewing. Nice. Oh, well, there you go. What have you got next, John? This one I wish you had watched. Uh, kind of <laughs> ironically, uh, this is called Clay Dream. I almost skipped this one. Um, mm-hmm. and it caught my eye early, but uh, just because the 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 header image is a dude with his head like in a castle, um, looking at a bunch of clay figures, and I'm like, oh, I like claymation. And I glanced at it and I didn't know any of the people involved. Um, It's the guy's name is Will Vinton and it says modern day Walt Disney. And I'm like, Oh, whatever. I've never heard of Walt Vinton. I clearly would know him if he was (laughs) worth knowing. I am an idiot for saying that because I should have known him, especially because of my love of uh, claymation specifically. um, One that he created, which was the California raisins. Now, I don't know if in England the California raisins were a thing, but here in the U.S.
1: sounds familiar. It genuinely does as well.
0: the The commercials for our the raisin industry was trying to like become more popular, so they uh, hired the Walt Vinton Studios or whatever, not Walt uh, Will Vinton Studios, um, to create them like a commercial where they would anthropomorphize raisins and they turned them into like. like soul singers they're singing (laughs) uh, i i can't remember what the uh, heard it through the grapevine is the first song they're singing and it's it's, they're not like it's really well made and the animation is great and it the commercial blows up and it becomes a, a whole thing where like they get a cartoon they have a christmas special like it's it's a phenomenon here and i was one of those people who was just you know totally fell for marketing right so once I realize that while I'm watching this documentary I'm already extra hooked. I'm like wow, this is super compelling. Um, now this documentary is really interesting because it also has scenes that feel like they are also out of the social network second time this movie is being referenced <laughs> because we have a uh, mediation situation where there is Will Vinton and um, I believe his name is Phil Knight uh, who is I'm not gonna see his name now uh, pretty sure it's Phil Knight um, who is the CEO of Nike. Uh yes the shoe company it's something night it's Phil Knight or something mm-hmm. night and um they are in the litigation and so you early in the movie they show us a scene in, in like a long tabled you know lawyers on one side of the table it's not in a courtroom so it's like the the scenes in the social network where they're just working out all the logistics um and you don't fully understand why but you know that Will Vinton is claiming that the Phil Knight guy has screwed him over somehow but you don't know how at this early stage in the movie, it will reveal itself. You will go back to that scene multiple times, but there were so many revelations about Will Vinton studios, his studio. Uh, he's basically credited as the father of claymation. He's made the process. He's worked with it. And there's some dispute about that, but overall he is always attached to every version of early day claymation, um, throughout and I'm watching this with like this reverence, like, man, I love the California raisins, but also like, I love claymation movies. I'm a big fan of Tim Burton's early stuff. Uh, granted he didn't actually direct nightmare before Christmas. That's Harry Selznick, but I love nightmare before Christmas. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Leica studios and I'm, so I'm just like totally buying into this, uh, documentary. I found this film to be not only compelling, um, but very engaging. I think the mo- the filmmakers, uh, who are I'm going to throw their names out here. Um, Uh, Sorry, just one guy. Mark Evans does a terrific job of of getting really good interviews, um, but also utilizing uh, stock footage of like their old movies and stuff. Um, The first ever feature claymation film is called The Adventures of Mark Twain, which Will Vinton directs. It doesn't go over very well, but it's a movie now that I actively am going to seek out to watch. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Even I really like Clay Dream. I think it's if you are a fan of any of the things that I just said, uh, you will enjoy learning about this especially some of the behind the scenes and this is not a um solely praise will vinton movie this is also he's a controversial figure there's a lot of controversy surrounding him not in Mm -hmm. like not in the cancel culture sort of way of controversial either like this is more like people are complex and sometimes brilliant minds are jerks and so there's a little bit of that there's also some drama and a brilliant person is not always inherently a good business person. And I think that plays into this plot as well. There is, um, it's not quite to the level of, uh, like accepted or like Wiener or, uh, three identical strangers documentaries where you're like, you get these major shifts in tone. I think this one's a little more on the nose, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm familiar with that. I had no idea were connected that this movie opened my eyes to. And that shocked me in similar ways, but it, I don't necessarily think the movie's trying to do that. But if you were like me, you may have been actively involved and yet ignorantly o- unaware of so much of what this movie is talking about. That I, that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much is like it made me uh, very much appreciate more stuff that I, I loved already, but had no idea were connected together. So, um, yeah, that, that's Clay Dream. That's my take on it.
1: It was a dream in clay come true yeah their claymation was uh, i want to say a big part of my childhood but there was uh, in in over here in the united kingdom we had a lot of claymation shorts and a few of the, the kids shows were claymation so um i too have time to check out clay dream it's still available for now so i may have enough time to squeeze that in and if i do i'll certainly let you know how it goes but again as per the last review mainly based on everything you've just said otherwise i would have just passed on it not for any other reason but it just hadn't caught my eye now. But anything John recommends, I'm in for. So uh, so far, we're three out of three so far. Maybe let's make it four out of four with a film called Shapeless. Uh, this this was getting a bit of buzz going in as well. I'd seen the uh, images for this pre Tribecca. It's directed by uh, Samantha Aldana, another debut uh, debut feature film from Samantha Aldana. And it stars uh, Kelly Murta as uh, Ivy. And this is a uh, film about a lounge singer or uh, also a laundry room worker. And she's affected by um, horribly destabilizing eating disorder, bulimia, essentially. Um, And with it, she has body horror hallucinations. And the whole film is is basically uh, looking at her mental spiral as it just goes down and down and down as this condition begins to just take hold and throttle her and ruin her life basically and it's based on the lead actress's personal experience so um it feels genuine her her performance gen- does feel genuine i i don't know what it's like to have an eating disorder however kelly murta her performance is committed it's strong she's very good she's obviously pulling from her experiences um and there's a real authenticity about her do you know sometimes you can sometimes you can tell somebody's acting as an actor or just or, or they're not connecting with the right beats Kelly Murta's performance wasn't an issue in this film, however, I wasn't a fan of this film overall it was uh it was it felt very empty basically, and that's the film obviously highlights the horrors of this of the eating disorder but everything I mentioned in my review everything else around it is just quite hollow it's quite empty there's nothing else going on once you know once you kind of step back and think like, what are we what are we what's the movie telling us what's happening there's nothing really behind the eyes there. It's very slow, very ponderous. This is never meant to be a film, which is going to grab you and excite you whatsoever. Just the subject matter alone should l- tell you that, but it is extremely, extremely slow. I, by the halfway point, I was furiously checking the duration of the how long is left on this, you know? And and again, I knew it wasn't going to be a thriller, a thrilling film or a horror film as we know it, but it just didn't engage me. It was unnecessary how slow it was and how subdued it was. Um, uh, A lot lot of the sequences felt a bit outside of the, the hallucinations and the horror. Uh, A lot of, a lot of the rest of it felt a bit just consequential, just kind of happening. You'd see uh, Ivy's day to day life and she'd speak to people and, you know, never really got touched upon again. And it's a very much a slice of life. Film, which I know I like, I know JB likes for the most part, but just just felt, and then the certain decisions throughout, and like like that, the decision to focus so much on one thing, but then when they try to focus on other things, it just feels, just doesn't feel right. The the pacing was awry, and you know films like shapeless, which highlight horrific conditions or disorders like this, are. You know let's get as many as as we can out there to highlight this, but at the same time that's not going to prevent me from saying this to me this film wasn't great it's it it' strived to uh be something you know quite potent quite powerful but it fell at a few hurdles for me um Kelly Murta's very very good in this there are some of the body horror moments are fairly effective but I just wasn't engaged with it i uh, and it wasn't due to the fact that I'd watched a few films before it just didn't grab me. The pacing was just not, uh, not good enough for me. So, uh, shapeless for me wasn't great. It doesn't, it doesn't follow as JB made a joke. I'll let him make that one. It doesn't oh, follow shit. as narrative structure. It is, like I say, the size of life. It's just, you now here's this character in a, with an uh, after in a few days of her life. Here it is. End. Is that the end? Oh, it is. There's the credits. Fine thanks for that uh so about another hour and a half but it feels a bit longer than that so shapeless i uh i'm always loath to not recommend something but it didn't grab me by all means check it out it might it may work for a lot of people i don't know what the buzz around of this film is yet. i haven't looked uh after it, it after people have watched it but it uh jb it didn't grab me
0: yeah that's uh i don't think big tuna uh had much different of an opinion. I think it was very similar. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't watch it, so I have nothing to add, but uh, the fact that it doesn't have a very structured plot does mean that it's not just a clever name. Um, yes. Those Wayne World heads out there will get it. Um, <laughs> that said, we'll move to a movie that we both did watch. Uh, it's called Catch the Fair One, mm. um, directed by Yosef uh, waldecka I'm sure well I said that completely right. Um, it might be waldecka uh, uh, debut feature Mano Suis uh, won Best New Dr- Narrative Director at Tribeca and was nominated for two Independent Spirit Awards some time ago. I don't know for sure, because it doesn't say. Um, Thanks Tribeca. Uh, he's also the screenwriter <laughs> for this movie. It stars real-life boxer Callie Reese, which I do mm-hmm. want to point out. One of the things that I don't know makes any sense in this movie, this film, uh, she's a boxer in the movie. So she's a boxer yep. in real life, but she's a boxer in the movie. I don't know that that matters like i think the only reason why it's relevant is that we are supposed to know she's tough um so so, yeah
1: there's we mentioned off air, which we'll get to there are a few things in the marketing to this film which were a bit old weren't they and that's one of them you could have i think she does well but you know the fact that they marketed a real life boxer in the film Uh which isn't exactly particularly high on boxing is old
0: Yeah, boxing has almost no relevance to the story. In fact, it's even listed that she's a former boxer, but there is at least three scenes related to boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so in this absorbing revenge, I'm reading the synopsis. I think it's important here. Um, Executive produced by Darren Aronofsky, a Native American woman embarks on the fight of her life when she goes in search of her missing sister. The former boxer intentionally gets entangled in a human trafficking operation in order to retrace the steps of her kid's sister and work her way up the chain of command to find the man responsible. So mm-hmm. the Native American woman part of this film is important because I think part of the uh, the overall plot is that these sexual trafficking is happening on in, uh, Native American reservations and that nothing is being done to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. But that's not in the text of the film in any way that I felt was clear. Like, had I not read the synopsis of Native American woman, I don't know that I would have put that together as a relevant part mm-hmm. of the plot.
1: Um, I had to Google that afterwards because I wanted to know the relevance of uh, the native American tag of well, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee Rice is native American. I know that, but the, the, the synopsis there was kind of pushing it like it was going to be a, a major part and it wasn't. So I kind of had a little Google it afterwards and uh, yeah, everything you've just said, I only, I only know because I Googled Kaylee Rice as a supporter for um, missing indigenous girls, which is obviously a, something that needs highlighting but yeah didn't know that from the film
0: no and that's a lot of this movie feels like a uh, a, a take on uh, taken mm-hmm. and i don't know that it's a it doesn't really add anything to that genre but it's definitely got that revenge movie type thing going on um i think the drama of the first half of the film is really really solid and i think it kind of falls off when it becomes the action movie um partly again because i don't know that her set of skills make sense in some of the, the encounters she's put in, like, Mm -hmm. like we don't even, I don't, I've only seen taken in in small doses. Like, I don't even think I've ever sat through the entire thing. Um, So I actively was trying to, uh, to be engaged with this movie, but a lot of it, I'm just like, well, why is she able to do this? Or what is, what is the relevance of the boxing? And I think there's, I think in her performance, especially the emotions of the performance, I think she does a very good job. As far as like the the plot and the the purpose and the story, I I don't think it really clicks in anything meaningful other than just feeling like it's checking boxes off of a revenge film and, and this kind of hunting film because it's revenge is is there, but it's more about like can we track her down? Can we find the missing sister? And if I do find the people who are responsible, I'm going to make them pay kind of vibe but overall i i didn't think those things felt even like the, the plot cared about it It was just more or less like okay we need this to happen this needs to happen this needs to happen uh not that it's a bad movie i actually i don't think it's bad i think it's very watchable it's, it's under 90 minutes so it's it's not like it, you're going to be investing a large amount of time for something that is is slight but it does feel for something that is trying to tackle a real world problem like it doesn't do its full service to addressing what that problem is. And that's, I think a little disappointing because you have this real issue with a person who is actively, uh, you know, fighting it in real life, make that more clear, like take a minute and give us that exposition instead of the scenes of her boxing. um, Or even like, there's a part early in the movie where we see her sleeping and she's got blood coming out of her mouth Mm -hmm. and she takes out a razor blade No, I don't know if that's a normal thing. I had no clue what I was supposed to take from that. I'm like, what does that mean? Why? And we kind of get an explanation later, but not really. Like there, I'm like, there, when we, when it pays off the checkoff gun way that it has to pay off, it definitely could have been anything else. Like it didn't need to be that specifically. So like why choose that? Unless there's some kind of real life explanation. Also, when she wakes up in that moment, I don't understand why she's living in the conditions that she's living in. And I don't understand um, why she's a former boxer. There's a lot of questions that the movie doesn't even seem to be interested in addressing. And that's not always a problem. But for this movie, it does feel like, well, couldn't we have used this time to better explain why her sister was taken, why she's fighting this, why this is a problem? You know, like there's there's areas that I feel like could be removed and replaced with something more meaningful to the plot than what is there so that's i don't want to go on too big of a rant but i do think it's good i think it could have been great and that's disappointing to me
1: mm-hmm. i was uh intrigued in what you had to say about this because when we both watched this film on the same day as it turned out uh and having both watched it you know not w- within a few hours of each other it is one of the few times where we kind of uh, had the idea that i don't think it was bad but i'm not entirely sure what I think about it, you know, what I mean, because for the most of the reasons you've just said, there is quite a lot to unpack. As you know, what were they going for? Did they stick the landing? Why was this so focused on pre-release when it had nothing to do with being in the film? And I don't disagree with anything you've just said there. Uh, it isn't a bad film. It's not a bad film. Again, it's uh, again here is that quote again. It looks good. It sounds good. It's well acted for the most part. Um, there are some lines in it which are chilling, We, as we mentioned. Um, the first half is certainly better. Uh, there's a there's a moment that involves our lead in a very in a very vulnerable position. You know, with a with a male watching on, and you know it's it was it was shot and done very well, you know, very effectively. Um, and that's when they get into really to the heart and drama of this film. And then when it becomes more action, it does just feel a bit. Mm. Like you say, where, where's this come from? Where did this set of skills, what, where are we going with this? What's the, what's the end game and the end game itself, even that's a bit kind of, mm. if you don't, again, if you haven't Googled as to the ins and outs of the film and the filmmakers or the actors uh, thoughts on certain issues and set of that, the ending would just be, the ending will be a big, disappointment or letdown for a lot of people i understand whether what they were going for with the ending now that i know the the, the, what the filmmakers are supporting outside of the film but and what they're trying to bring in with this film but i didn't know that when i first watched it so i was like well that's a bit of a strange ending after everything after all the build-up it's just that's it but Kaylee Rice, is, she's decent in the film. You know, she's a, like I say, a, a boxing world champion who's tasked with leading a film. That's not always, does not always work when someone from the squared circle <laughs> leads a film or even acts in a film. But I think she's good. Yeah. I think the director note plays to her strengths or uh, and, you know, amplifies them ahead of any potential weaknesses. So it's not an enjoyable film, though. It is a hard-hitting film. Um, but it's not one I'd rush to watch again. And it, uh, I'm still kind of struggling with what I really think about it because I didn't dislike it. I didn't like it though, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't dislike it. It's, is it straight down the middle? Possibly, because like we said, the first half is pretty good, and the second half, whilst not bad, does feel like a different film. So it's not quite what I thought I was, it was going to be, catch the fair one, uh, but uh, it's, it's okay. You know, it's above average, it's okay. Check it out if you like dramatic revenge thrillers
0: yeah yeah again not a bad just not uh didn't quite live up to what we were hoping for uh matt sorry you have to go back into talking but you are the only one who has seen the next movie uh false positive oh you know
1: this this podcast thing is funny having to actually talk but yes false positive i watched that it's a hulu original it's going to be on hulu very soon, it's t- distributed by A24 as well. They have a hand in this, which is surprising because A24 usually puts their name to decent films. Uh, this film was uh, it got some interest ahead of the festival. It's directed by uh, John Lee. He directed Wonderstrosen, Xavier, Renegade Angel, of The Heart, She Holler. He directed some of Pee Wee's Big Holiday, Broad City as well. But it stars um, Ilana Glazer. Justin Theroux, Gretchen Mol, Sophia Bush, Zainab Jarr, and Pierce Brosnan as a fertility doctor who may or may not be sinister. Um, just look at an image of him and make your mind up. It's yeah. pretty much how you do it. But uh, the synopsis is very, very quickly. Um, Lucy played by Lana Glazer and Adrian, Justin Theroux, they are having, they're struggling to conceive a child, but their savior comes in the way of Dr. Hindle, who's a world renowned reproductive specialist and very charming, played by Pierce Brosnan. But as their dream begins to come true and hope transforms to happiness, cracks start to appear in the facade of normalcy, sending the now expectant mother into a spiral of suspicion that threatens her grasp on reality. So, uh, Alana Glaze in a dramatic role here. She is she is they they become pregnant, and everything seems wonderful. But clearly, Doctor Hindle is not quite what he he's cracked up to be, and The film, again, starts as a personal drama touching on a, you know, pretty fairly uh, heavy subject, one that needs to be have a spotlight on it. And it ends up turning into something else. It ends up becoming, uh, I don't want to say, well, it is. The film is a thriller, um, but it doesn't feel like that to start with. It does start to become that towards the end and it goes bonkers at the end. And I didn't like the ending of it. I thought it it goes. It tries to go for a a weighty, dramatic role at the same time as having this kind of psychedelic feeling and a shock value as well. And it doesn't really hit any of those marks. It's it disappointed me quite a bit. This film. Did Pierce Brosnan is clearly enjoying just you know being having a having a grey hair, grey beard, and being able to talk sinister in his kind of quasi American Irish accent. He's having fun. Nobody here is bad necessarily but I don't think the film quite knows what it wants to be I don't think It's there's too many twists that happen the the narrative is a bit skewed in terms of when things happen to try and throw you off the scent but it just felt, it, it felt like it should have been better bigger sorry than it was but when I saw Hulu original at the front at the top sorry I did think oh no I know what Netflix originals are like. I won't say prime cause they're usually half decent, but I suddenly thought, am I going to get a false positive in this that I'm expecting something decent? And actually I'm disappointed. And I was, it, 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 the pacing was fine. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, technically I've got no issues with it. It's just the way that John Lee tried to set a few things up and also bend different genres into and make them bend to his will. It, just didn't work for me um it's i believe it's going to be on hulu uh within the next few days in the states i believe don't quote me on that but i've read somewhere it's it's going to be uh, on hulu very soon so if you like thrillers and you like glazer through pierce brosnan and gretchen most goodness then check it out it's got a 24's name against it that feels frivolous um because they're not their name isn't on any of the uh title cards so Mm. i don't know i expected this to be chilling film like a rosemary's baby-esque film but it really wasn't i think it wanted to be but it wasn't so false positive uh, this didn't hit the mark for me unfortunately john
0: no problem i am surprised because alana glazier is usually associated with comedy so i was shocked mm-hmm. to see her attached to this but same uh, she's fine um, in like it her. as well
1: but yeah yeah
0: um well i watched uh, another documentary something matt doesn't do enough of um, <laughs> in fact a lot of my favorite movies from this festival have been docs including this one uh, Aha, the movie. Um, I didn't just have a revelation, mind you. This is about the band, Aha, most uh-huh. known in the US for Take On Me, which has the iconic music video of the hybrid animation live action. Um, I only knew that song. And in my head, when I went into this documentary, they were a one hit wonder band. Um, that song shows up in tons of movies, right? Like even uh, Sing Street, a film that you and I both yep. adore, the first song he sings to uh, R- Ravina is uh, a take on me which he does a little off key but nevertheless it's a hard song to hit those notes well, everyone's um, covered it
1: at some point i think
0: so i kind of apprehensively went into this documentary and uh i loved it now i am a big music person i, I was a musician for a long time so music documentaries often work for me where they may not work for other people mm-hmm. um but i found uh so much of this to be really refreshing um, so this is directed by Thomas Robson. Now this is not really the film's credit, but this is a uh, kind of credit to the band. If what the film shows is true and there isn't like major elements left out, which I don't know. Cause again, I knew literally nothing about aha so much. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize they were from Norway. I, I kind of didn't know where they were from, but I definitely didn't go into this movie expecting subtitles. Uh, and <laughs> there's a lot of subtitles because, uh, two of the three band members, actively don't speak English in the movie although I do think they all speak English one of them opts to speak English but there's still subtitles for him I guess they assumed his accent might be too thick I didn't have a problem understanding him but um, so not knowing that even that's how little I knew about this band everything to me was new information one of the things I thought is refreshing is usually when you have a 20 or uh, I guess now it's 30 year uh, history of a band you're going to be riddled with like this is when the one guy got addicted to drugs really bad, or this is when the yeah. he beat his wife, or this is, you know, these horror stories of the music world that you often get when they do a documentary like this. Um, because a lot of times those are the ones that are the most compelling or intriguing for people to want to watch, right? Like I recently watched the Tina Turner documentary on HBO for a movie club. Tina's story is devastating because of the abuse she suffered. Um, we would then watch the uh, Cobain the Kurt Cobain story, which is devastating because he gets heavily addicted to heroin and he kills himself. Like those are tragic music documentaries. Aha! Seems like their biggest conflict is that they're kind of smart and these smart people often suffer from like depression and stuff, you know, like, well, what's the point? Why mm-hmm. bother? Why do we do this? And so like a lot of their conflict is internal and that, that, you know, real world, sometimes our egos clash yet we are creative and strong. So we want to work together, but at the same time, maybe we need to explore other spaces. And uh, in some ways I found that refreshing because it didn't feel dramatic or over the top. Even those fights felt slight like, um, but I I found it very candid. They openly discussed those issues uh, to the camera. And I, I just thought it was a really compelling look at this band. Who's had a extensively successful career that again, to my you know, ignorant ways was that they were one hit wonders. Um, it's opened my eyes and wanting to explore their music. I found a lot of their songs to be really good. Something I, again, only new take on me, which I like that song. Um, and like you said, I like every version of it that I've ever heard. Like I haven't heard a <laughs> yeah. bad cover of that song. Um, and so I just found this documentary. Great. Again, I like learning about topics, uh, especially music, because I am a fan of music. And a lot of times I think I know more about music than I clearly do. Cause again, really knew nothing about this band. So for me this was a great like entry point into the fandom that is aha which uh those of you who are now listening to this podcast thank you for reading my review. I've had a lot of buzz uh from fans of of the band who were, are really supporting this film. Obviously, they, they have a lot of investment into the band, and so they want this to be successful. And I, I can't imagine why someone wouldn't enjoy this unless you don't like the music or don't like Aha! already, or you only want those big, tragic stories, which I understand, because sometimes uh, just... I, I complain, like, I think, with Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the fictional film about Queen uh, that was levied was one that it really sanitized the band. It made their life seem much better. Even the the drama was was downplayed by comparison mm-hmm. to I guess the real life stuff, but also it, it kind of glorifies the band and like makes them heroic, you know, like they, it puts them on a pedestal, and th- that might might be a fair argument here is that maybe this is a fan making a movie about a band they love but I don't need it to be the opposite either. I don't need you to like someone who hates the band to make a documentary about why they're so awful. You know what I'm saying? Like not saying that wouldn't be good too, but I don't think that it has to be one way. And if this guy is a fan and he's made a documentary that praises them, I'm not opposed to that. um, Unless there's blatant lying happening. And I don't know if that's the case because again, I I know nothing about this band, but for me, I'm okay with that. Like, I enjoyed the film. I don't see any harm that can come from this unless, again, there are major like lies. I don't know if there's major controversy surrounding the three guys. It doesn't seem like it. These guys seem pretty down to earth. Uh, I think both, uh, at least two of them have had really long-lasting relationships, which is again, something you don't hear about a lot in the the, the world of the rich and the famous, right? A lot of times relationships seem to come and go like re- revolving doors. Um, yeah. so, uh, I don't know. I, I found a lot of this to be quite positive and, and, and inspiring which i thought was great
1: well take on me more than just that i haven't seen this but i did know they were scandinavian and i wasn't i knew they'd done other songs but don't ask me to name them like, because when you when you're a band like that you can they can dine out on that song forever it's yeah, they made can. them rich like the house that take on me bought the life that take on me made. so i don't know of any controversies surrounding the band so it's good to hear it's nice to know there's a document about a documentary about there which isn't you know, isn't fully focused on the dramatization or the darker right. elements of life. Indeed. So more of a celebration potentially. So, um, yeah, take on me. If you're not supporting John's work, why well, aren't you? Go and do it. Be like our half fans. They're all right. I think the sounds of it. Um, the next film I saw is a film called Brighton fourth, which I'd mentioned on the, uh, preview show. And it is a film, which is directed by, let me get the name by Levan Kogashvili who uh, is a Georgian fellow, Georgian chap, and it stars uh, Levan Teddyashvili who is a 73-year-old ex-wrestler making his film debut, uh, may I say, uh, and Georgian legend, I'm told, Kaki Kavsadze, who sadly passed away a few months ago. This film is dedicated to him. Um, what's the film about? It's former wrestling champion Kaki, which is uh, Ashvili, always has his family on his conscience. Uh, After making arrangements to cover for his brother's gambling debts, Kaki departs his home in the Republic of Georgia to pay a visit to his son Sozo in outer Brooklyn in Brighton Beach. As Kaki settles into Sozo's Brighton Beach boarding house, uh, which also houses many Georgian immigrants, he learns that Sozo has accrued a $14,000 debt to the local mob boss, which is a roadblock to Sozo's future in medicine and also getting a green card as well. Um, So this film is the epitome of... The epitome of festival drama. You know what I mean. Every you watch this film, it's very again. It, it's a slow pace to it. It's a very gloomy vibe to it. The the strings that play over it. It's very quiet and contemplative in a lot of it. Um, Teddy Ashfield, who is fabulous in this f- film debut at seventy three, he brings a real dig, a quiet dignity, and the whole film as well is all about how. Now, he's a he's a man. He's overflowing masculinity, but it's the restraint he uses. He uses it to create a presence rather than anything else. He's like a gentle giant, a eh? a bear with a soft heart. Um, is how I would uh, describe him in this film. And it, it, it has every trapping of a you know a festival darling. And I do believe this film won a lot of awards at the festival, which is. Uh, it won the it won best film. In fact, this is the best film of the Tribeca Film Festival, best screenplay, oh, oh. and best actor in the international narrative competition uh, for the uh, aforementioned Teddy Ashfili. So very, very highly praised. And I've got to say, I did enjoy this film as well. It's it's subtitled for parts of it because the people, the actors are for the most part Georgian. Some are all Russian or from the Eastern Bloc. Some do speak English. Some are from New York, of course, as are Many of these films, um, but I d- I did like it. There's uh, there's something about it, like the, the, the Teddy Ashville's performance. He's a real the, the fact that he'd do anything for his family. He drops his life in Georgia to help his son out, and then the, what he has to do to help his son. Um, it works in this film. I'm surprised. if I'd read it in a synopsis. I'd think uh, how on how is that gonna how's that going hows that going to work? Oh no, oh no! But it works the way that. Um, the way that Kargashfili directs this, and he gets a performance out of Teddy Ashfili, which feels right. And when you get to the end, what happens there feels earned and justified. And then uh, there's a lot of emotion attached to it as well. It's a very personal film, I think as well. As the the Georgian influence spilling out of everything as a real community feel to this film it's it's a it's a slice of Georgian life but also it's very much a lived in Brooklyn as well so it's kind of like a it's a salute to both of those ways of life and it's a it it has some fun moments in it i say fun it's got some lighter moments some laughs in it with the camaraderie of the people involved um but it is also quite a quite a heavy film about family and um and safety and things like that, like family safety, personal safety, community. So uh, I did very much enjoy this film. And I would recommend it with a caveat that it isn't going to be for everyone. It will be too slow. It will be too boring for some people. It won't connect, but it did connect with me. I, I watched it prior to it being named best film. So I didn't go in with that on my mind. Had I known yeah. it was best film, I don't know how if that would have changed my opinion. But I, Brighton Forth, I really did think this was a very, very accomplished bit of filmmaking.
0: I have a couple of questions. Did you say it in memory of somebody? Yes, it is
1: the uh actor called uh Kaki Kavzadzi
0: Okay, so he he or she passed away since the filming of the film? Uh
1: yes, he so he he passed away uh before the obviously after it was filmed when it wrapped and about about two months ago so yeah, I mean, he sadly wasn't around to see the film premiered here at Tribeca anyway. Um, and he has a few moments towards the end of the film, which I guess yeah, f- the Georgian film fans and those who are more connected with Mr. Kavzadze will probably hit quite hit home quite hard for them. Pretty emotional moments in terms of the story as well. So, uh,
0: yes. In the, the synopsis, it says that he's a former wrestling champion. Is it like olympic champion in the movie yes. i know the real ip is okay so it's not WWE kind of yeah wrestling. no it's
1: it's olympic it's like traditional wrestling yeah where it's kind of Slight, grappling
0: slightly disappointed in that uh to be honest I, i'm he a big... doesn't give anyone a stone cold stunner oh i mean no of course not he's not Stone cold matt um no, but I'm nevertheless sorry,
1: yeah. uh the rock um, gave stone cold a stunner once
0: yes yes but he again that's uh, you, you know what matt don't, don't start with me in, in <laughs> wrestling. Um, I will rock bottom you and give you the people's elbow. So the deal, uh, this movie, actually, I, I the name, I think, is its biggest flaw. I, I don't think the, the name does anything for me. Um, I remember you talking about this in the preview episode. Completely forgot what it was called, though, so I never watched it. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand what Brighton Forth is written reference to based brighton on what i'm reading beach
1: and the fourth yeah i can't remember i don't know if that's the name of the apartment or, or the street i can't remember now but um because i obviously know brighton as a as a coastal city in, in england i was like oh it must be that but i wasn't aware of brighton beach in brooklyn but i am now uh,
0: i am because there's a movie that i loved as a kid called brighton beach memoirs um, that my there grandma introduced me to and i watched it a lot but nevertheless i it's not it's not a great title right like especially no, adding no, a not. number uh, adding a number of it at all. Yeah. And that's disappointing. Cause I think the premise for me is, is right up my alley. I actually, even the way you described it, I got like, I'm like, this sounds like the right type of maybe like a Sunday morning cup of coffee movie where mm-hmm. it's, it's super quiet and contemplative and yes. it's going to give you, uh, you know, it's going to give you time to reflect. And that's, I like movies like that. So I actually really hope I can catch this one hopefully before we lose access or, and, or, Um, it gets distribution so I can watch it because it sounds like something I would probably actually enjoy. So uh, that's one I wanted to catch. Uh, I caught one yesterday uh, called The God Committee, Um, Mm -hmm. another big tuna recommendation. Um, I didn't know anything about this movie. I don't remember. The name didn't really grab me. um, And I didn't know the cast until I was watching this. And there are some people in this movie who I have a couple I have not seen in a while, but... Um, the God Committee is directed by uh, Austin Stark, and it stars. Um, well, it's it's weird when the Tribeca information chooses to not post the cast. Uh, it stars <laughs> uh, Kelsey Grammer, Janine Garofalo, Gar- uh, Garofalo, Julia Stiles, and um, Coleman Domingo, who I am almost wow. always a fan of. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's not even listed in their synopsis, but he's in the picture. Uh, bad job, Tribeca. Um, I haven't seen Julia Stiles for a while, and uh, I forget how much I can like her in a movie, and I think she's really great in this. Um, Kelsey Grammer, almost unrecognizable when you first see him. He's got a a lot of hair in the beginning of the movie. Um, The movie takes place in different times, so you're kind of cutting back and forth between two moments. Um, But uh, So Dr. Boxer, Grammer... Dr. Gilroy Garofalo, Dr. Taylor, and two more doctors who apparently aren't big enough to be mentioned here, uh, play mm-hmm. God as accomplished doctors who serve on a heart transplant committee. So they are a group of, uh, five medical, pro- actually, I'm sorry. There's six medical, wait, wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm right. It's five, uh, five medical professionals yeah. who sit on a board, who make the decision on who gets the heart, right? Uh, mm-hmm. a heart comes in, th- these six patients are waiting for a transplant, who is most deserving of this heart? Cool. Um, right. A huge, uh, and it's supposed wow. to be very scientific and um, based on like fact, not based on opinions, but like this person's condition is l- they're less likely to survive. So we're going to give it to this person. That kind of thing It's a very debated kind of thing. And it's a, it's an old, there's a thought experiment that feels very similar to this, this idea of like a uh, doctor deciding who can live and who can't live. Um, and what's the ethical nature behind it. And uh, it jumps ahead and we see Dr. Boxer has left the medical profession and he started his own company where they're trying to develop organs for transplants. Like where Mm -hmm. like we can synthesize organs that can be used uh, instead of waiting instead of losing so many people to um, that exact debate, right? Like if we only have one heart, what if we could make a heart for everybody who needs a transplant? Like how many lives could be saved that way? Um, And so there's a lot of ethic elements built into this and debates, and then there's some really interesting plot d- d- dynamics that play a role. Um, you also have uh, – um, is it Manny Patinkin? No, it's not Manny Patinkin. Um, what's the dad's name from Clueless? Because that's who it is. Uh, oh. It's not coming to me. I'm, I'm going to get it, folks. Don't worry. Uh, you, you get
1: it, John, whilst I sit here umming and aring as if I could remember what the guy's name is.
0: Dan Hedaya uh okay. is also a small part in this movie but is always he's always good when he's in something um uh, I I found this film to be really really compelling um, the plot and the way it goes is interesting because there is there is a plot it's not just this like ethical debate of a movie although it's definitely about that but there is a, a plot in the film about character and uh, I think you can like and dislike some of the characters, depending on the decisions that you, you make, you can empathize with them. You see all these changes. I, I found it to be very, very compelling. Definitely uh, interesting watch. Very thought-provoking. Um, with some really great performance. Like, Janine Garofalo is most noted as a comedic actress. Uh, you know, she's kind of if she had been born 10 years later, she would have probably been the Aubrey Plaza role in a lot of those mm-hmm. you know, shows. Cause they are very similar in their, their sarcasm and their, their wit and their kind of dour disposition. Um, I'm a fan of both of those actresses and, but Garofalo is not playing that role here. So it's, it's cool to see her getting to like flex her, her acting chops a little bit and not just be Janine Garofalo. Um, styles again, I hadn't seen in a while. I've always mostly enjoyed her. I think she's really good in this grammar. Um, Maybe one of his most restrained performances, which is saying something, because he can be a bit hammy. You know, if you've ever watched Frasier or Cheers, both same character, mind you. But um, he he often can be a little pretentious, a little big. His role here, he is still, I think, pretentious, but it's a different type of pretension. And I think it works. Um, I I found the film very, very watchable and uh, worth checking out.
1: It's very annoying when you like these films that I haven't seen because now I want to go back and watch them. Um, I saw that um Big Tuna had highlighted this one and when John said he was watching it, well, then fine, because as, as you know, we've been kind of striving to cover as much as possible and, you know, John will watch something, so in turn I'll watch something else so we can cover them on the show, uh, To cover the festival in greater scope. But um now I kind of wish I'd watched that because some of the films I've watched, I would have much rather switched out for The God Committee. Mm-hmm. But... um sadly uh john's having most of the fun so far uh my next film was uh, a film called 12 mighty orphans and again it is another one of the fairly um uh hyped films in the festival simply because of the cast it's directed by ty roberts uh, his second film uh, written by as well and it stars luke wilson martin sheen robert duval wayne knights uh jake austin walker Levi Dillon, Jacob Laughlin, Lane Garrison, amongst many, many others. Um, And it's a, it's a true story. It's based on the true story of the mighty Mites, who are a football team from a Fort Worth orphanage who during the depression went from playing without shoes or even a football to playing for the Texas state championships. So it's all about how these excuse the term, it's the kind of ragtag bunch of um, attitudes and behaviors come together to create a spirit and a togetherness to push them forward against all odds. It's, it's your underdog sports story. It's been done many times before. Um, and this film kind of feels like that as well. This film's totally fine. It's, it's a decent film. I had no problem with it. I I enjoyed watching it in the knowledge that it felt like a lot of other films. It feels like it feels like something like A League of Their Own. Another, it, it, if A League of Their Own was set, just after, I think, or maybe about the same time. So it's got that kind of vibe to it. The, the culture of the time, obviously the way everything looks, the way everything sounds, the music that they use, it has that kind of vibe. So if you are a fan of a film like that, which I am a big fan of a league of their own, which is a better film, then yeah, you'll have fact. a lot here to find a lot here to like, sorry, in 12 mighty orphans. There's some decent performances. I think Luke Wilson's very good as rusty in the lead role. Uh, and, um, Jake Austin Walker, is uh, for me he was the best of the of the kids he was hardy brown at like the top very tough uh very tough i don't know what the p- position he played was he got the uh egg-shaped ball and ran with it and it was very tough doing so uh wayne Knight's good in a villainous role as is uh lane garrison as well the prison break fans will fans will remember him as tweener um it's not really much to say about 12 mighty orphans it is a film you've seen many times before I mean, it's got. You can just look at the market image, images and you know you've seen this film before, the camaraderie, the spirit, the the ups and downs they're going to face leading up to the final game. I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but, you know, it's it's a good film. It didn't blow me away, but only because it felt very familiar. That's the main criticism I can say about that, and some will say that's not fair, but it just felt very familiar. Obviously, you can't do so much with a true story, but... Um, it felt like a film I'd seen a few times before. Didn't dislike it whatsoever. I thought it was quite good, in fact. But, um, yeah, that's the best I could say about it, really. I enjoyed it. It was very decent. I've seen it many times before, though. The performances were good, but it wasn't memorable in the way that something like A League of Their Own, I, I could watch that, you know, many times and still enjoy it. I'd still like this, but I don't think I'd get as much out of it on a second or third viewing. mm.
0: I, I skipped that one, and it definitely is in my wheelhouse. I'm a sucker for uh, sports movies, um, kind of in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't think. I, I didn't make it through Leatherheads. I tried, and I was <laughs> so bored I stopped watching it. And that's a George Clooney directorial yep. uh, outing. Um, I, I really wanted to get into that one because it looked funny in the trailer. just wasn't. Um, But I, League of Their Own, big, big fan. I love Little Giants, which uh, also has a similar kind of vibe. They're not orphans, but nevertheless, it's kind of the underdog stories, right, where you have a team that no one expects to do well. Uh, And Ted Lasso, right? Like, that show is is that very much um, in almost every way. Like, everybody's an underdog in that show. Coming Um, back. They made soccer compelling, and that's impressive. So (laughs) um, I I couldn't help but notice your jab at our football with the uh, egg-shaped ball, but whatever. It's it's not a
1: football, it's a handball.
0: It's whatever, you know, um, goalies <laughs> touch the ball. So
1: leather kicking instrument or leather, whatever. But
0: yeah, I didn't mind this film.
1: I, I, I think you'd like this It is, it has got that kind of Americana vibe, which I actually quite like a lot. Um, it's that kind of nostalgia for something you've never had, but, um, mm. there's a lot to like about it, but it, was, it, didn't, it wasn't as compelling as its peers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next film I watched, uh, is called Ballad of the White Cow. Mm -hmm. Uh, the ballad of a white cow excuse me um it looks like i've messed up some of the naming of it uh nevertheless um this one again like the last couple have was recommended by big tuna and uh, i almost didn't watch this one i almost was like it felt a little heavy and Mm -hmm. i wasn't really in the mood for it um and i I, this was the last film of the festival i've watched before recording and it might be the last film of the festival i watched period um, and I was kind of burnt out and I wasn't really in the mood to watch it. And that's what makes this movie even more impressive to me is that it pulled me in completely, um, where I was wrapped with attention. I was very much hanging on every word and I think it helped that it is subtitled because I have to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm forced to resist, uh, my phone and things like that, which is, uh, something other movies don't always get from me. Unfortunately, it's one of the reasons I hate watching movies at home. I tend to, especially if I'm not fully engaged, my phone gets picked up. It happens. I have trouble with attention as it is. um, And if a movie's not doing it for me, it's hard for me to stay off of my phone. This film, not only didn't, I didn't mind not being on my phone, I was like actively watching. Uh, It is filmmaker, um, the two directors, uh, Batash Saniha, sorry, and Maryam Maghadam. Um, I don't feel super bad because at every movie on the Tribeca festival that we get like a little intro from a Tribeca person. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> the, the, I forget now I'm going to forget who the actress was that got this one, but she definitely butchered the director's names. And I was like, Hey, Hey, it sounds like a Birkenfield. Um, but, uh, stars Miriam Maghadashi, which is I just realized that the co-director is one of the actresses. Um, and Alareza, uh, San- San- Sanafar, um, Those are our only listed stars in uh, on the Tribeca summary. There's really only like five. I'm sorry, four. No, five. I'm right with five uh, because there's a a child actress who's very good as well. Um, This it is an emotional, dramatic film. Like the the premise alone is heavy, which is why I wasn't really down to watch this right away. But uh, so with their uh, this is a French and Iranian film um, (laughs) and it's in Farsi. So there's English subtitles. Uh, when their realistic script and beautiful, uh, be- beautifully simple filmmaking, Mariam and B- Batash co-wrote and co-directed this multi-level narrative about capital punishment and the complications that rippled down in the wake of the initial tragedy. Um, so one of the frequent... Uh, I, I've, I don't... This might be the first Iranian film I've actually watched, uh, which is good for me. I'm trying to branch out on my world cinema. Um, mm-hmm. So... I've heard a lot of good things about Iranian film. I just haven't always had access to getting them or like knowing where to start. Um, So, uh, but one of the frequent attributes of Iranian cinema is the development of several themes within a single film. Ballad of White Cow gives us a collective judgment, a subsequent death sentence, and the weight of a rigid society bearing down on a widow. Uh, The fascinating story unfolds without commentary and leads to the themes of injustice, grief, lies, regret, and revenge, all of which are definitely there. Um, This they're not actually giving a synopsis here. So I will give the synopsis from letterbox. Um, I hope if letterbox has one that's decent, <laughs> it doesn't. So here's the synopsis I will give, uh, from my own. Yes. So, um, we meet her and her husband, uh, she's going to visit her husband in prison. Um, and he, it is the day of his execution. Right. And, uh, we get, uh, you know, she's there to say goodbye to him. And then we cut away to like an outside shot of the prison. And it's implied that he has been executed Mm -hmm. a year later. Um, she's struggling with, for a lot of reasons. One, there's a lot of judgment about her being a widow that she's still living alone with her daughter, who's deaf. Um, and that the relationship with the daughter is great and very, very sweet. Um, and, uh, she finds out she's brought in with, uh, his, his brother. So her brother-in-law, they go to, uh, they're called into i guess the the jail or the the police station or something and they're informed that the actual murderer has confessed and that the husband was innocent and he was executed um unjust you know unjust and yep. that's that's the setup kind of thing Is like so now we've witnessed the husband be executed we find out that he shouldn't have been executed and this woman's world has been shattered many times over and now this is the ultimate like kick to the gut like she's in she's barely getting by financially she's being condemned by her social her society because of her you know being a widow um and women's rights in iran which is definitely built into the plot and the debate um and, and then n- now this, this injustice. And so this sets up, she's wants more than what they're offering, um, as compensation. She is getting financially compensated for this and things like that, but it's not the same. Uh, yeah. and there's struggles with her father-in-law and her brother-in-law. And then, um, a kind of, uh, a man shows up who is ends up being like a, a interested party in her, and her world, and the relationship that develops between them, um, learning about who he is and why he's involved. There's so much that this film does in such interesting ways. It's a lot of still camera, a lot of like tripod, tripod-based camera work, where it's just we, we set a camera down and we're watching the scene. But when there is camera movement, it is impactful and powerful and really adds to the visual storytelling. And I just think... The, the filmmaking of this movie is quite brilliant the camera placements is always really interesting we're always at levels of depth where there's something in the foreground we're looking through like a doorway or we're looking through like an opening you know in part of the, the the wall like a bar type situation or whatever where mm-hmm. we're just seeing all these multifaceted elements even though it's a tableau style camera where we're just watching the scene play out um, there's some really interesting filmmaking choices I was wrapped with attention I think the movie is is so well done the dialogue is well written Um, I think her performance is pretty impressive. I don't know if they, they both have acted in other things. I've not seen them in anything, unfortunately, because again, my Iranian film is, is lacking, but, um, I found the performances to be quite, quite good and moving. Um, and there's a lot of interesting developments that I don't want to give away in the plot that I think only add to the intrigue of the film. So, um, if you get a chance to watch The Ballad of a White Cow, I highly recommend it. And so does Big Tuna.
1: There you go. Uh, it caught my eye because I just thought of First Cow. So like, oh, same uh, Another cow movie. But I didn't watch this one because movie. I know John was going to watch it uh, late on in the game. So I thought yep. John can watch that and I'll watch these next two films. <laughs>
0: That's what I before, thought. Before you do your last two films, because the, we're going to end with Matt's the last two, I will say um, I'm very up on cow movies, still pretty down on horse movies. That yeah. is uh cow <laughs> over horse. Uh, so one far. day
1: we'll, one day we'll get you into the equine world.
0: Yeah. I wonder how many cow movies there are, but go ahead. while well, I'm going to look up cow movies while you are. You do that out, um, You're discussing ultrasound.
1: I will blast through the last two. Then uh, the only Iranian horror film I've seen is under the shadow, the horror film. Very decent as well. Um, so I will get through these ones fairly quickly. Uh, The penultimate film I watched is a film called Ultrasound. It's a kind of fairly hard sci-fi mystery film directed by Rob Schroeder. Um, It's his uh, directorial debut and he he directs the uh, Variety Actors and Actors um, series. So that's kind of what Rob Schroeder does outside of creating very odd sci-fi films. Uh, Very quickly, the synopsis. A guy called Glenn is driving home during a heavy uh, rainstorm. He experiences car trouble. He finds a house, knocks on the door and an older guy greets him. Come on in. Here's my wife. She's much younger than me. Have a drink. Sleep with my wife. Hey, eh? what's going on here? Suddenly things start to get weird. And then there's an awful lot of uh, gaslighting. And then uh, we are then transported to a medical facility. And that's as much as I'm willing to say, because anything else will try to unravel the plot is uh, like trying to unravel a ball of string that's been in a in a closet for ten years. I was I had no idea what the hell was going on for some of this film. Oh. It's very convoluted. At first, I thought, "Am I stupid?" But I was like, "No, no, they really are adding layers upon layers of plot here in a way to try and keep you guessing, to try and create this wild mystery kind of this go for this kind of Lynchian effect and that." And it just didn't quite work i had to the point where i was confused of what was going on and because i was confused i was thinking i was starting to check out like well i'm not but i'm not daft i'm i i can see where this started and where we kind of where we are but what, what why are they doing this where are we what's the necessity for this it's a very esoteric film it's very very odd it's um if you like hard sci-fi like contemplative sci-fi you're going to like this if you like it's like a I've seen people say it's like a Black Mirror episode, um, not a very good Black Mirror episode, um, or like a sort of t- Twilight Zone esque kind of twists going on. It's um, and a lot of people have called it low budget Christopher Nolan in terms of like the mesmerizing story or. Um, It can't be anything else other than Nolan because some of of it I was was just like, I generally don't understand quite what's happening here. It it will, it will, it's a very patient film you have to watch. You can't, like John said, the bumpers beforehand were saying, uh, you know, this is a film, you know, put away your cell phone, turn it off, you know, you don't need that. This is a film where you absolutely cannot have any distraction. You have to be 100% in, or else you will lose. Your place very very quickly. The cards begin to fall as soon as you kind of blink, almost. But um, it's it, it's not an awful film. It's just I I struggled with it because I think it was trying to be a bit too clever, a bit too much, and it didn't work in that sense. That when I got to the end, I wasn't satisfied that what I sat through was worthy of what we where we ended up. So ultrasound is fine. I wouldn't recommend on that, on that level because it just didn't work for me on many, on, on many levels, even though it's fine. It, I'd never want to watch it again. It's, it is very heavy. It's not a very fun watch either. And you have to be absolutely switched on or it's going to lose you. So ultrasound was a disappointment because I was really sucked in by the premise and the, like John, the final film I saw from Tribeca was one I watched uh, a few hours ago and it's called How It Ends, and it stars um, it stars Zoe Lister-Jones and Kaylee Spaney. and she uh, Zoe Lister-Jones wrote and directed it alongside Daryl Wayne, um, and we also get little cameos from Olivia Wilde, Colin Hanks, Finn Wolfhart, Helen Hunt, Nick Crow, Whitney Cummings, Fred Armisen, Bradley Whitford. There is a ton of little come- uh, cameos thrown in, and basically, and I wanted to end on a comedy. I've watched so much, like, heavy, weighty stuff. I like, this sounds fun. I like Zoe Lister-Jones. I'm going to like this f- film, hopefully. It's a feel-good apocalyptic comedy. Uh, free-wheeling Liza, Lister-Jones, scores an invite to one last wild party before the world ends. The world is going to end at the end of this day. It's going to be an asteroid coming to get it. So... How do you spend your last day? Uh, making it there won't be easy. Liza's car is stolen and the clock is ticking on her plan to tie up loose ends with friends and family. Accompanied by her younger self, played by Kaylee Spaney, Liza embarks on a hilarious journey across L.A., running into an eclectic cast of characters. Um, again, very short. Again, it's about an hour and 20 minutes long. And this was a nice little tonic to end the festival with it was fun. It was quirky. Again, that fit the definition of indie, which Lister Jones does very well. In some of the other films I've seen her in, it's yeah, and it's a nice, lighthearted film. You know, the, the double act of Zoe Lister Jones and Kaylee spaney work really well. They're both essentially playing the same character, there's different uh, different parts of their life. Um, her interactions with people are good. There's some very funny moments in it. It's, uh, again, set up and pay off gags, but also just like quippy one-liners it was a nice way to end it's a nice ending as well the ending was poignant and fairly touching and kind of helped wrap up the film again it's a, it's it's a easy going film it's called it lies As Freewheeling the film was as well there's not an awful lot to say about it it's as fun it's funny it's quite touching towards the end uh it's got a good it's got a good message in it it's got some good performances and it was a nice way to wrap up the festival as well like I say there's quite a lot of quite heavy films in here, so I'm really going for the dramatic chops and dr- and your dramatic jugular. But this was a nice, easy, easy going way to end off. So, uh, if you like Zoe Lister Jones' brand of comedy, I think you're going to have a good fun with how it ends. And in the in the world we're living at the minute, it's quite a nice tongue in cheek look at obviously where we are now. So, how it ends is literally how it ends for my Tribeca yeah. experience and and yours as well, JP.
0: Well, um, overall, let's look back at the festival. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about this as press. Uh, We are members of the press uh, for this. We're we're given uh, access to a bunch of movies. Um, The problem is uh, this is much better than last year's virtual press event because last year it was very last minute. Not a lot of the movies that had been originally slated to play at the festival were not eligible online. So it Mm -hmm. really, really limited the festival last year. They definitely were more prepared for it to be virtual this year. However, we still have some problems with how they give us access to films. Uh, One. And if, if the point of press is to generate buzz about the movie so that people will go and see them, (laughs) letting the press see the movie after its debut and uh, not letting us preview it automatically ahead of time seems counterintuitive um so that's the first complaint is like let us see the movie before mm. the premiere date so that people can hear our thoughts and we i matt and i both are willing to concede if they want us to hold negative reviews till afterwards fine yep yeah. yep but totally give for us that. a chance yeah, yeah give us a
1: chance to see if, it and then i'll go one step further and say sure. it's a horrible decision it's an awful decision in fact and whoever made that decision Maybe don't, maybe don't bring it back for next year because of that reason. A lot of these films we weren't aware of, we, we went digging for them, and we are accredited press for this. Whereas, you know, we are, I kind of feel like my responsibility is to watch these films and then put the word out ahead of time so I can direct people towards these films. Hey guys, this comes out next week. I, I love this. JB loved it. We recommend you check this out. It's coming out next week. Here's the details. It's you can still do that once the film comes out but it's you know I I feel like some of the excitement is kind of gone and like a negative review that's going to go out as well on the same day whereas other festivals have said you know in advance please put out positive reviews in advance because for that reason you mentioned it builds hype any negative ones please do leave until the day of release totally get that the big studios Mm -hmm. do that with embargoes anyway for the most part Um, totally fine with that but Uh, it was a real missed opportunity that man
0: big time and then i think the second big issue and this may not be the festival's fault but it's still the fault of someone is the bigger movies being withheld from us um there Mm -hmm. were uh some big debuts like i understand why in the heights wasn't given to press because that was available on hbo max a day after it premiered at tribeca okay but there was a Dave Chappelle thing that we didn't get access to the, uh, werewolf. Um,
1: werewolf I, was what, even, I was looking yeah, forward to that. The Soderbergh film,
0: one. uh, Jim Cummings, new film was not available to yeah. the press. Um, and then there was, there was at least two more that got taken away from us. Uh, the Stephen the
1: Soderbergh's new film, which was, you know, mm-hmm. it's Soderbergh,
0: which is weird because it's going to a virtual screening is my understanding too. Like it's going mm-hmm. to just be available yes. to, uh, streaming services, and so why wouldn't he allow press to see it virtually? Like there's so many little things like that, that don't make sense. I understand that for some filmmakers, the press is the enemy that we <laughs> only say bad things or we, they don't want to hear the negative thoughts that we have. We're not filmmakers. Why do we get to say, you know, basically essentially sell or unsell a film to the, to the, the populace. But I don't think that's a good reason. Um, because we're going to see it eventually anyways and i don't i think there are definitely critics who go out to to negatively put a review out into the world like they they look for the bad but most film critics start off as film fans and we do generally enjoy movies and why we spend so much time with them and talking about them isn't because we want to bash them but yes i think at the point we are at we've seen so many movies that we're constantly let down um, because we've seen so many amazing films we know what the potential of a film could be and so yes we might be a little harsher on average but even the criticisms that we gave today mostly were still like it's good but here's what we wish it had also been able to accomplish maybe you don't want to hear that after your films already been made but if you use that to your next film I think there's a positive that can be taken from it and the just the sheer number of movies that we didn't get access to, is shocking and it's not like i understand if you're if you want us like you, we don't deserve to see things for free we're not anything special but it's a quid pro quo you want people to know about your movie you let the press see it so that we will talk about your movie that's how it works we get to see it for free in regards you get free publicity we you know whether we're promoting or underplaying the old expression applies here there's no such thing as bad publicity right like yeah. anything whether we're saying good or bad People are now aware of your movie because of us um, that maybe wouldn't have otherwise known. And of course, the same could be said people only know us because there's movies for us to talk about, and we are able to do it in a way that some people pay attention to us, you know? Yeah. But it's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship. And a lot of this festival felt like they were fighting the press. And I think that's a mistake because we are on the same ultimate side. I love Tribeca. This is my fourth year covering them mm-hmm. two in person, two virtual. Um, I hope to get to go in person again next year. But I also, like, I I, I had more access this year than the last three. Uh, when I've gone in person, I haven't been able to go for the entirety of the festival. And they limit the press and industry screenings to the morning. Everything yep. at night you have to buy tickets for. Um, and I, I, that's always disappointing to me because there's a lot of movies I don't get to see. Uh, partly because I'm not there for the entirety of the festival. That's on me. Fair. But... Um, but two is because they, they limit my press opportunities. And this year I had full access to the press. And so I was able to see more movies than I probably would have seen had I been in person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there were big movies that I had planned to watch that were taken off the table. And that's disappointing because you vet us, like you give us access. So if you don't think I am good enough for certain movies, well then don't give me any access. I'd rather be denied completely than be denied randomly and again some of those i don't think are the festival's decisions but i think pr companies you got to be a little more liberal with who if you if if tribeca is saying we are press you should let us see the movies that are playing at the festival so we can hype up your movie that's the end of it
1: yeah man uh yeah the the what excites people about getting the the gig to cover a festival are some of these big films you know and then like I'd hoped for the enticement of hopefully uncovering a couple of gems where going into, you may not have heard of it, but because of this opportunity, you won, un- you unleash these diamonds upon the world. We weren't given the opportunity, but some of these big films, which were kind of, which was like a carrot dangled in front of you, you know, check out the festival. We'd love for you to cover the festival. Here's, here's what you can watch once the festival begins or, or, or you're locked in those, those, they're taken. those, those films are taken away. Those pictures are gone. So, you know, the, the what, kind of uh, lured you in isn't there anymore and it's kind of a blow mm. to kick off your festival with thankfully there were some decent films out there to cover the some of the cracks up there but and like you say it's not always it's not the festival necessarily other festivals have done this as well uh lured you in with a, a big director and then oh by the way now now that festival started that film's not available that happens a lot and i don't like it frankly and i don't it's you know be up front. Here's a Tribeca festival. You know, apply for accreditation. These films will not be available just to let you know. And I know they can't do that straight up, but the, the, you must know some of them like the big ones in the Heights. You know, I I I, okay, I get that as well. Um, I, I didn't necessarily expect it to be on the P and I list, but you know, it's, it's yeah. debuting at Tribeca. So it's part of me also thinks we'll press covering festival film at a festival. Let's, you know, and like you say, we're not there to we're not there to um, tear films down or or to uh, abuse a position like people think Rotten Tomatoes is for. Um, our, our our role is to get the film out there. Like you say, all coverage is good coverage because for p- people may not have heard of some of these films, and sometimes a f- it sounds silly, but sometimes a film can get an awful review, and it makes people want to watch that. Is it is it really that bad? Turns out maybe it's not built a cult following from there so i was disappointed by the handling of the pni list the amount of films that kept dropping off every it seemed to be every few days you know this film's not there actually these three films aren't there um yeah. this film is only this film's available for a few days but we're only going to tell you once it's come off um so i think that the administrative side could have been handled better thankfully that there was a ton of films to watch So it wasn't like we were left with five films we were still left with a handsome selection. But um what I will say is I did I liked the, the use of the portal. I think having all of the films in one air, one repository was very handy rather yeah. than having screener links sent and you've got to try and keep up to date in your inbox with them all coming in and weeding out what you can watch and what you, what isn't a screener link. Having it all in that repository looked good, well presented. You could if you've got Apple TV or um Roku or whatever, you can watch it via the app on there, you can watch it on the T V great you haven't got to cast it or connect hdmi or whatever we're living in anymore so that was good i mean the presentation of it was good how it looked and and i had no issues with streaming or buffering or anything like that it it was great it was everything around it it was like you say it was the hooks that they get you with or the carrots that they uh, that they dangle that's not always a tribeca issue that's sometimes a festival problem however um yeah like we said our our, our former point still stands valid though but i I, I my overall experience of the festival was fairly positive, though I so say those other things we mentioned did irk me. It would it put me off next year? No, but it maybe maybe I'd put in the comments. By the way, you know what's you know how can we guarantee this this and this? Um, but for the most part, it was positive. I think the for me the the films were a mixed bag, which I would kind of expect from such a large volume. There was there, I don't know how many are going to attack my top ten. I don't know yet. I'm going to sit on that um i saw a lot of films were in the middle kind of middle of the road some broke out to be very good for me but there were quite a few which wasn't overly keen on but that is the nature of the beast of so many films however overall for my first experience of tribeca mostly positive
0: same um and i think that will conclude our tribeca coverage uh for 2021 Um, Again, check out both BerkReviews.com and WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk for our written reviews, the ones that we did opt to do. But a lot of it you've heard on these episodes. Uh, That said, this has taken a lot out of us over the last two weeks. So we've had to put some extra effort into staying bloody awesome. So Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome this week?
1: I'd like to say getting out, getting some fresh air, stretching the legs. where I haven't been. (laughs) I've been really bad because I've been watching stuff. Uh, So I've been streaming stuff on uh, other platforms not the tribeca portal um i've started f- st- very slowly tentatively started stranger things which is something which is very much in my uh, alley but it's taken me you know me it's i'm behind time. the times of everything but started that uh, i watched halston on netflix the five-part miniseries starring Hugh mcgregor as halston fashion designer thought that was pretty good actually um hadn't heard of it until i until i watched the Hugh gregor pedro pascal Actors and actors variety conversation. Oh, Hugh McGregor's in a streaming show. I'll check it out. See, I know he's in lots of them, but I'll check this one out because uh, I'm on Netflix now. It, it was quite good. It wasn't bad. Uh, Stranger Things I'm enjoying. And mm-hmm. now I'm just, and obviously The Bad Batch as well, watching The Bad Batch. And I'm going to start watching Loki in the next day or so as well. I am Loki behind on that. so. But I'm hearing mixed things. And I know certain I, people I look- are very into it, but I'm hearing mixed things where people are saying, they just don 't like it in comparison to the others, but i 'm going to make my own decision on that but i've been staying bloody awesome but I finally just starting to watch series and things i've been threatening it for since i 've known John for a few years now a good few years, but streaming, my friend, but I do wish I'd got up off my backside and gone out a few times. But what about you, my friend
0: um well, here in Florida, we are acting as though the coronavirus isn 't a thing, so uh, <laughs> people are starting to socialize a little more and um, we had a work gathering. Um, my, my principal had, uh, a, any of our staff could have come, but a lot of people are out of town or whatever. So we had a very small, like maybe 20 people indoor, outdoor, uh, like work dinner, uh, this past weekend to celebrate this, the, the challenge of the year. You know, we had a, it was a yeah. catered meal. They had people walking around with hors d'oeuvres. I haven't been to a party like that. I don't think ever. where like, uh, people are like actually walking around like trays had this, uh, bacon wrapped shrimp. Oh, very, yeah. very tasty. And this puff pastry wrapped asparagus with like Parmesan cheese. That was really good. Um, And then a delicious uh, salmon and or prime rib uh, dinner option Um, was quite, quite delectable. Uh, So I have, I, I avoid most social gatherings, um, but I am wanting to make myself a little more seen at work. I've been at this job for about 11 years. And um, so I decided I would go to this party I've not gone to pretty much any of them. I think I went to one work gathering a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, but I went to this one. My wife came with me, and it, just to prove my point, when I walked up, one of my friends, uh, a friend, it was like Birkenfield at a at a uh, off off hours work event. Fascinating. Like, um, yeah, yes. Uh, again, I, I would love to say that everyone was not wearing was wearing masks and being smart. Um, we, all of us are vaccinated that I believe were there. I don't know that to be a fact, but, uh, my understanding or impression was that most of us had been vaccinated. I still wanted to wear a mask, but, uh, peer pressure did kind of overtake me. Um, cause nobody, even cl- including my wife, uh, who was vaccinated, uh, was not wearing a mask at this gathering. And I was just like, finally, well, I guess if, if she's going to get it anyways, um, you know, if there's anything to get. So I, I did. I did cave. I, I don't think that's the right choice uh, out there. I even vaccinated. I know the CDC is opening up a little bit, but there's still variants, and there's still things we don't know about the variants and how they will how they will react to the to the uh, vaccinations. I, I and we don't know how long the vaccinations will actually last because they they only have existed as long as they have existed. So we don't for sure know when they're going to expire. Um, so there's a lot of variables that we don't know that still make me. I think we should be. Uh, playing it erring on the side of caution as opposed to acting as if it's gone. Uh, cause it's very much not my boy here who's in a country that has just extended the lockdown a little longer. <sighs> um, will say, say that. So, uh, but nevertheless, it was, it actually was a lot of fun. I got to have some conversations with people that I've known for years, but haven't really been able to sit and like talk non-work stuff with. Um, and, I kind of wish i'd been able to do more of that i did end up with one conversation that monopolized my time but in a good way like i'm not upset about it i just wish i could have been able to to talk to more people than i was able to yeah um but that would require more time like you know what i'm saying I, i'm not wishing this time hadn't happened i just wish i had more time to do this yeah. i actually did enjoy it um, spread yourself less thin the truth is i am an introvert until i'm comfortable and once <laughs> i'm comfortable i am very very extroverted and so uh I once I was in my comfort zone at the the gathering I was you know, doing my thing. So I it was nice to, to do that. I haven't been in a gathering in well over a year like this, so it was it was nice and uh also stressful, but nice. So uh grateful for that opportunity.
1: I'm glad to hear that. As soon as I bought out the bacon wrapped shrimp, I would have been in my element and as extrovert as anything. That's all it needs mm-hmm. to get me out of my my bubble. I'll be the Indeed. most introvert person, but you bring over a platter of that Come on. I mean, I'm done. So, yeah, again, any stateside visitors, uh, listeners, uh, when I come to the States, just come at me with the meat, basically, and I'm, yeah. I mean, so, but no, I'm glad to hear though, my friend. It's good to, it's good to get out every now and then, and uh, remember what it's like to talk, just <laughs> to fraternise, as oh. we say, yeah.
0: Well... And that's it, folks. We are done socializing for the last. Uh, this, uh, this episode went a little long. We apologize for that, but we had a lot of movies to talk about. But yes. next week we're going to go back to our normal format, which means we're talking about the big release, uh, which is F9, the oh. ninth, technically the tenth entry in the Fast and Furious franchise, but the ninth in the family. As I Fair honestly, night. it's really the eighth because you could cut Tokyo Drift, and for the most <laughs> part, would not lose any in the family not even a criticism of the movie, just the fact that it's not really about any of the central characters with one exception, an important exception. Um, But F nine, I am a bit of a fan of this franchise. I used to not be, I have conceded that it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's stupid. I will argue to the end of time. It is a stupid franchise, but it's fun. And there's some really cool scenes in the movies. Um, I, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing F nine. I'm a little apprehensive because John Cena isn't always good in action movies can't uh, always see him yeah uh, right he's a, a mystery and intrigue uh, but that's what we'll be talking about next week when we come back uh, in the meantime we'd love to hear from you so you can follow us on social media matt where are we on twitter we're at BAMP underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and on instagram we're at bloody awesome movie pod and of course we're still on the old facebook so you can hit us up just search bloody awesome movie podcast uh, individually you can follow me at burkreviews.com and burkreviews on all the social media platforms and matt uh, what i watched
1: tonight.co.uk and just search what i watched tonight on all the socials including letterbox which i will start posting on
0: and we hate to sh- uh to always ask this but if you are listening and you haven't taken a minute to rate and review the podcast we would greatly appreciate the, that that from you because it helps other listeners find the show and that's what ultimately what we're trying to do is we just want people to hear what we have to say um so with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome